it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 72. Tonight, Andrew and I are going to talk about shareholder yield. Uh, this is a term that I came across when I read a book by Meb Faber, one of my favorite podcasters. He's a quant investor that runs a ETF that he's a fantastic guy, really, really interesting, super smart. And sometimes he can be a little technical, but he's very interesting and he wrote uh, some great books that are on Amazon, and quite a few of them are actually free. So the book that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, that we're going to reference, let me rephrase that, is actually free. And I will put the link to that in the show notes. So if you guys want to check out a little more deep dive into what Andrew and I are going to be talking about tonight, that'll give you an opportunity to check that out. So without any further ado, Andrew, why don't you go ahead and start us off and talk a little bit about shareholder yield and capital allocation. Yeah, so shareholders yield, um, a metric, it, it's, it's a good kind of description for a metric where you're essentially looking at a CEO management of a company and seeing how are they allocating capital. You have earnings that you, that you get, right? Uh, profits that, the, that these companies have. And as we've mentioned in, in previous episodes, uh, two, three episodes ago, these companies have various decisions that they can, you know, <clears throat> they have various purposes that they can uh, use this cash that they have for. Um, and so shareholders yield is a measure to evaluate that. And, and it can identify companies, if there's a high shareholders yield, can identify companies that are really rewarding shareholders, um, giving a lot of that cash and giving it back to shareholders and it doesn't have to be in the form of a dividend. That's why it's different than like the dividend yield. So you have, you know, essentially the five ways that they can pay back shareholders. And, and so they can reinvest back in the company and that's good. If, if the business, if the core business is growing, they can do uh, an acquisition, a merger and acquisition uh, where they're buying another company, hopefully saving money by, combining operations and obviously growing 
earnings and revenues in that way. They can pay down debt. They can repurchase shares. We talked about that extensively with the share buybacks episode, and they can pay dividends. So what we're going to talk about today, I think, really gives a nice little measure and a a way that you can take it one step further, right? So we, we took the time to really introduce these kind of things and talk about them from a theoretic level. Hopefully you were able to learn that. If you haven't listened to those two episodes, I definitely recommend doing that. But understanding the how it works and what these things are, and then now this is a good idea of how you can apply it and use it practically to, to find good businesses, good stocks to buy. So I really liked uh, the book that Meb Faber wrote, Shareholder Yield. Um, he had a really cool kind of metaphor about the way some investors will look at stocks. So he, he talks about this concept, uh, some, I don't know if it was like a legend or, or just a story, but there's six blind men, right? And And they're all told to touch this elephant and they're told to describe what this elephant is, what it feels like. And then, you know, kind of make some conclusions based off of that. So one blind man might touch, you know, the tusk, one might touch the tail, one might touch the side or the bottom of his belly. And they all describe different things, um, but neither of them, not one of them, if they're all just touching this one place, they're not able to accurately describe the whole picture. And so when it comes to investing and buying stocks, a lot of investors can fall into that trap as well. And so that's why that metaphor was kind of made to the way I interpret it was to talk about like dividend yield, because when people think about companies paying back shareholders and and rewarding shareholders for holding their stock, a lot of people think of dividends. And I definitely think that way. And that's obviously a really great way to reward shareholders. But like, like I mentioned just a second ago, there's actually five different ways that they can pay back investors and, and give them value from from the cash that the business is generating without just paying a dividend. And so that's kind of what the book breaks down and, and spreads out into different sections and talks about how businesses can can pay back shareholders and, and give this this metric he called shareholder yield. And if an investor looks at all of these things rather than just the dividend yield, you can find some opportunities that might be being ignored if if you're more just 100% focused on dividends. I I really like that idea. Obviously, it's something I prescribe to when it comes to looking at a stock in general. And so let's take a complete approach and not be blind to just one aspect. And so you've kind of seen it in the way that dividends historically have been paid and dividends have been paid now. I thought that was really cool how he, he kind of brought up how there's a a changing trend in the way that that dividends are paid and the way that CEOs and and managements have decided to reward shareholders. And there's a lot of factors in there. I thought it was really cool how he went over that. I agree. I I think uh, it was real. That was one of the really interesting parts about the, the book was that he talks about the decrease over the last 60 years, uh, of I'm sorry, 70 years of dividends versus stock buybacks. And 
Andrew and I both kind of wondered why that's been going on, but we finally found the answer. And one of the reasons is that uh, it due to an SEC rule instituting a rule, it was a uh, 10B-18 in 1982. So it provided a safe harbor for firms conducting share repurchases from stock manipulation charges. So this basically gave them a safe haven to be able to do stock buybacks as a capital allocation strategy for what to do with their money. And they found the companies have found that it's been more profitable for them as well as the shareholders by providing a safe haven from taxes. And it's cheaper for us as a shareholder to do the share buybacks than it is the dividends because the dividends have a tax can have a tax implication. And so the company have, that's one of the reasons why they've gone this route and it's been a gradual decline. And you've seen in the financial news over the last year, two years, there's been an increase in chatter about share buybacks. And that's one of the reasons why Andrew and I chose to talk about that a few episodes ago was we wanted to kind of shed some light on why this is happening what's going on, is it good, is it bad, and how it can help us as shareholders. Now, one of the cool things about this book is is that he talks about that. He also talks about dividends, and he talks about a few other factors that go into kind of the whole shareholder yield metric, if you will. But it all really kind of comes back to kind of a capital allocation, which is what Andrew was referring to earlier, where the, that's where the companies are doing. They're figuring out what to do with their money, just like you and I do. And he also kind of dumped a, a few other little tidbits of information that I thought were kind of fascinating to kind of, again, you know, pound into everybody why dividends can be such an important factor in our investing, even though there's an, a decrease in the actual uh, um, the amount of companies paying a dividend or the, uh, you know, dividends actually being paid. But he, just to throw some numbers at you. Uh, since 1871, which I understand is a really long time ago, uh, U.S. stocks have uh, had an 8.83 compounded return from 1871 to 2011. You know if that's so, real or if that's, uh, you know, before or after inflation? I'm assuming it's after. Uh, it's after. It's after inflation. So if you yeah. reduce... So it's really like 11. Yeah, exactly. So if you actually... Re- but the cool thing is, is that if you reduce... If you take dividends out of that, let's say you just buy companies that do not pay dividends, that would be cut in over in half. It would be 4.13% a year. So that is a huge, huge amount. And as we've talked about in the past about compounding, when you start talking about reducing a 1%, 2%, 4% from your returns, that can add up to some serious, serious coin You know, as time goes by. And to kind of illustrate that a little bit more, if you had invested $100 in 1871, by the end of 2011, it would have compounded to $28,870. That's gross of fees, transaction costs, and taxes. Uh, when you consider the total return portfolio, which reflects the price return and dividend reinvestment, the ending value for the same time period. So if you put $100 in in 1871 with a company that's reinvesting their dividends and also seeing a price increase, by 2011, you would have had $13,955,000, I'm sorry, 
55,952. So a 480 fold improvement. So that's some serious, you know, increase. And, you know, granted, who's going to live 140 years? You know, I'm not gonna, but, you know, that's, that's just insane. So again, that's just another illustration of how much dividends can have an impact on your returns, even over our meager 40 or 50, 60 years that we're going to be investing. So, you know, again, dividends, they're your friends, embrace them, enjoy them, use them. And let's kind of keep going on with what we're talking about. So just a few numbers I wanted to throw at you. Yeah. And so that that's like the good news, right? Dividends help us compound money. The bad news, like you mentioned earlier, is that the trends for dividends have steadily been decreasing. Like it's not even Mm -hmm. a thing where it's volatile or going up or down or going through cycles. These companies are trending to pay dividends less and less. Something actually popped in my head when you were mentioning that, Dave. The, the This idea, uh, so we had the SEC rule in 1982, which made it easier tax-wise, blah, blah, blah. Um, the other thing is, I think stock-based compensation, these, these stock options for, for the people who are in charge and for even employees, I think that's a relatively newer kind of thing that we've seen. Yeah. Um, I mean, even Buffett, Buffett talked about adding this basic versus diluted thing, right? Because he's he he's been right. quoted as, as saying before. I think it was in the '90s where he said, you know, if we're not going to count share uh, stock options as as uh, what do you say liabilities or or you know as compensation, whatever, if we're not going to reflect it in the income statement, then what what really is it? Like you're not looking at really what what the real earnings are. And so just the fact that like this change from basic to diluted EPS is something that's new within the last 20 years, I think maybe that might have some, it's showing a shifting landscape, right? Uh, and so are we going to be able to get those kind of reinvestments from dividends in the future that we saw in the past? Well, hopefully, I, you know, I know I'm personally targeting companies that have adequate dividends, that's kind of the bad news. The good news, which is what the rest of the book talks about, is that there are other ways that companies have purchased or <clears throat> have rewarded shareholders other than dividends. And so that is, like we mentioned, stock buybacks. And that's actually been on the on the rise. And so a lot of the drop in dividend payments can be accounted for with the increase in, in share buybacks. I thought that was really cool. And a really cool point made in the book, and he has some cool charts showing that as well. Essentially, there's three ways. So we talked about dividends, we talked about buybacks. There's a third way that a company can really, I guess, provide a lot of value to the investor. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money. Not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. 
and now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Let's be honest here. Your sex life is important. It helps us feel more confident and boosts our happiness. But sometimes we struggle to perform. Our life gets in the way. This is where hymns can help. With their convenient and discreet online platform, you can get help for your erectile dysfunction from the comfort and privacy of your own home. No more waiting rooms, no more awkward conversations, just a simple, direct path to treatment that works around your life, not interrupts it. Invest in your health today. Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor visits. Answer a series of questions on their site, and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free, no insurance is needed. If ED is getting you down, it's time you join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash investing. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash investing for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash investing. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety and effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. And that's by paying down debt. Mm-hmm. And this is the third component of shareholder yield that Mev Faber talks about. I didn't like I didn't really understand. Because that obviously helps the business, right? So I don't, I don't see why that would be different than like reinvesting in the core business. Because you're you're helping the underlying business, not necessarily giving the cash directly to shareholders, right? Right. Um, but it's still 
you know, it's it's still like an added plus. It, it, it's a good use of capital. I, I don't know when it would be a bad use. I mean, unless you're paying like a, a super low interest rate, but for somebody who's like a conservative investor, you want to see as little debt on the balance sheet as possible. So that's going to be an obvious plus. Um, so Matt Faber talked about three, three kind of metrics to, to measure how, how the shareholder yields being calculated and in turn, how, how management is rewarding shareholders, giving some of that back. So he said dividend yield, net buyback yield and net debt, net debt pay down yield. And maybe we can talk about those three, uh, just a little bit and then see if that helps us understand how we can take what these companies are doing, identify them in the market, and then use that to potentially find the companies that are regularly rewarding shareholders because if they're doing that and they're showing that that's what they like to do outside of some condition out of their control, it's likely that they'll probably continue that. I think it's reasonable as an investor to to make that kind of connection right um and and maybe over the majority you will see that happen so it's obviously a good idea to try to find stocks and businesses that are doing that and shareholder yield through dividend yield net buyback yield and net debt pay down yield can be great metrics to to kind of identifying them really quickly hey you what's the best way to get started in the market download andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com you won't regret it. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, you mentioned the companies are are basically once they go down a path, they're they don't change much. And he mentions that in the book that they're they're really really hesitant to ever cut back a dividend. As we've talked about in the past, you know, that's one of the that could be one of the signs of trouble. And that's why companies try so hard once they go down that path to not go away from that because it can cause a lot of panic in in the market about the company because that can be a sign that there is you know some underlying trouble. So let's kind of start diving in a little bit to the to the the three different uh, I guess sections of it. So the first one is a dividend yield. So how he calculates this is he looks at the trailing 12 months cash dividends and he divides that by the market cap. Uh, basically, he says this means that the total value of the cash dividends the company paid out divided by the market value of the stock. So that's that's pretty easy. Uh, you just look at the, the last 12 months of the cash dividends that have paid out. And you divide that by the market cap of the company, and that'll give you your dividend yield. Uh, so that I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Do you have anything you wanted to throw on that? Nope. Okay. Next, we got the net buyback yield. So we're looking at that. So for this, uh, the way we're going to do this is we're going to calculate this by looking at the trailing 12-month stock repurchases minus the stock issuances. So in other words, anything that they're buying back versus what they would create more stock of and divide that by the market cap. So basically, this means that the total value of the stock buybacks is divided by the market cap of the stock. Another simple measure is to use the percent change in shares outstanding. So uh, I think that, again, is pretty self-explanatory. Did you have anything else you'd like to add to that one? Uh, well, I guess, you know, you can, like you said, take the change in, in, sharehold, in shares outstanding. It's It's something... I don't, I don't, cause it's not like a metric that you will see on any financial website, right? So Ew, no, it, it's no. something you're going to want to, 
you're gonna have to dig into this one to define yeah. it for sure. Yeah, and and doing so is is something you should be doing anyway, right? If you're looking at maybe not so much what what the valuation or or price based metrics are, um, but if you're looking at like how a company is changing from year to year, if you're seeing changes in share in shares outstanding, where mm-hmm. you're noticing dilution, um, that can be a cause for concern. So you know, essentially, what we're saying is, if shares outstanding is is reducing, that means they're buying back stocks. If if it's increasing, that means they're diluting shares. Right. And so you're you're basically looking at that, and then I guess comparing that to to the market capitalization. So in essence, you are accounting for however many shares are bought back. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Had to uh, think through that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I I just want to try to make it so we're not just like brushing over that one because that one can be kind of confusing. Yeah, I I would agree. And, you know, I think one of the things I would throw out there too is this is due to me. I I had never heard this term before reading this book. Uh, I obviously knew what stock repurchases were, but I'd never heard this term net buyback yield. That was, that was due to me. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, I the think next it's cool one, to compare that to you know the what the, what the price is, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next one is net debt paydown yield. So this is the net changes in short and long term borrowing and debt divided by the market capitalization. Uh, so basically, this means that the total value debt a company has paid down divided by the market value of the stock. And again, this is not something that you're going to find on you know any sort of financial website you're going to have to go to the sec.gov and look at the 10 K's and, you know, dig into this a little bit. This is not something you're just going to find out there. So it will take a little bit of digging around, but as Andrew was saying too, as you're looking at the financials of the company, this is something that will be relatively easy to find. And I think, you know, to kind of tag off of what Andrew was saying about, you know, is this directly, beneficial to us i think it is the one i guess negative about paying down too much debt is if you wipe out all your cash and something bad comes along that could be a problem so i guess you know having a conservative and this is going to sound a little strange maybe but maybe having a conservative approach to paying down your debt would be more beneficial than to being super aggressive and paying it all off. And then all of a sudden you got nothing left. So I guess no, that would yeah, be, I agree with that. It you does know, sound one, counterintuitive. Guess, what's that? It does sound counterintuitive, but I totally agree. Yeah. 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 So those are really the three components of shareholder yield. So hopefully you guys understand those. If you don't, you could just kind of zip back a little bit and listen to them real quick, or you can also download the book and you can read through those as well and they'll, they'll help explain them a little bit more. So Andrew, what, what did you want to, where'd you want to go from here? So I think what's important um, when you're looking at these numbers, it's really easy to get lost in the massive scale of them. So we're talking about billions of dollars, you know, millions or billions of shares being repurchased or diluted. Um, it can just get, you can see these numbers and be like, okay, cool. I made a calculation, but I don't know what it means. And so that's why that's why it's it's uh it's it's referred to as a yield and and it's giving you when you have context on on data and this kind of relates to everything when it comes to 
looking at stocks and looking at their financials, you have to have context on the data. And so when you see the data, then you'll understand what it's trying to tell you. With each of these, you know, we we it's very easy for us to think about that with dividends, right? Because let's say I, I pay 30 bucks for a stock, it pay, it pays me a $3 dividend. That would actually be really high, right? But yeah, I can understand. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what, what company is that exactly? Right, exactly. <laughs> Could you, you share the ticker with that? That would be amazing. <laughs> so we, we can easily intuitively understand that that's really good. And by using like dividend yield, we understand that's a 10% yield. We're going to get 10% payments every year. Uh, that's why he did that for the buybacks and the net debt pay down. You're comparing it to the to the market cap. You're finding out a yield, and so that's giving you a percentage. And and if you think about share buybacks, you know I've, I, I kind of talked in length. I talked about positive and negatives about share buybacks, right? Like I'm not 100% disciple on them. Uh, talked about that in a previous episode, but you can by using like a yield, you can see that hey, you know. I'm getting like 2% from a dividend payment and then this share buybacks really giving me like another half percent. And and so I'm really getting paid back nicely by the company here. That, that can kind of give you, that can help you understand what the numbers are really meaning rather than just saying, well, okay, they bought back 300 million shares. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything without context. What I found very, something I noticed as well, and I think we should talk about, the each of these metrics, like I said, are related to market cap. So when we talk about shareholder yield, which again seems like a great way to to figure out to figure out and find stocks that are paying back shareholders and and allocating capital well, when you have all three metrics tied to a single data point, which is market cap, then you can have companies that have really high shareholders yield just based simply on the fact that they're so super cheap. So Dave, you talked about like a 10% dividend. Didn't GameStop like get super close to that at at some time, if not there right now? Yeah, Um, they did. Yeah. And it's, you know, we've talked about how it it seems like a really great value pick and who knows how it's going to play out. It, It probably will take several years. But, you know, that you talk about a stock that's hated, um, that price was so low that that dividend yield went so high. It wasn't like they were super aggressively paying off, paying these dividends out. Um, so you can see the same thing with with companies with high shareholder yield. That can be sometimes a good thing, right? And and it might speak to why why uh, buying stocks with with high shareholders yield has has resulted in great results for investors because they're essentially being value investors because they have a high shareholders yield. A lot of times, uh, those are on stocks that are lower priced, and um, it, it, it's it's a similar kind of idea to to buying stocks uh, with with low price. You know, if you have a, a stock with a really low price or a really low market cap, you'll see that in the price to earnings, the price to book, price to sales, price to cash. The kinds of things I like to look for when I'm talking about not being a blind man and looking at the whole picture, trying to look at the whole elephant. Uh, when you have these stocks that are hated, you'll, you'll see them pop up in multiple ways. So there's, there's lots of different ways that you can kind of achieve the same thing using different numbers. I would say, you know, if we try to cover a lot on this podcast and it's not necessarily always the stuff that we 
personally implement in their own portfolios. But I think if you just stick to one thing and kind of run with it, then you can start to understand like we do now, right, Dave? We have this kind of mastery and understanding that we can start to make conclusions like uh, a high... Uh, a high shareholders yield can happen from just solely on low price. And you can also do things like looking at a 10 K and just watching the share, the shares outstanding every year. And that's how you'll find companies that are buying back aggressively. Mm -hmm. Or you can take like a shareholders yield or a net buyback. You can, we talked previously, uh, Joel Greenblatt likes to use earnings yield and return on capital. That can be another way to find, companies that are allocating capital well. So many different ways to do it. Buffett has owner's earnings. So many different ways to do it. Just maybe try to pick one, understand one, and then move forward from there. The last thing I found interesting about the book, and I really liked how he did this, he obviously he had, he introduced these metrics, right? Talked about why they make sense, why they benefit the investor. And then he did some back tests on it. And the back test turned out to be very, very successful. I don't know if you have the exact numbers, Dave, um, but it showed that they would routinely outperform the market when they would rebalance buy these stocks with high shareholders yield. And uh, there were some cool conclusions that uh, Meb came came out with. He wrote he wrote in the book, and and as a result of that back testing, kind of proved that it makes sense, right? Like what, these companies that. Allocate capital well tend to do well in the stock market. Yeah, he did. Uh, uh, the one that I'm looking at right now is showing the the a comparison from 1982 to 2011 of the S and P 500 a dividend yield and a shareholder yield. Was that the one you're referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's showing. So he's showing the returns. So for that time period for the S&P 500, it was returning at 10.96%, uh, not bad. Uh, dividend yield was coming back at 13.4%, 13 which is pretty darn good. But the shareholder yield was coming back at 15.04%. So that was you know outstanding. So almost almost a four, pretty close to a 4% increase of just over the S&P for that time period. So that I thought that was pretty impressive. Sorry. So, what did that the the dividends were thirteen percent? That's that's saying just what can you what was it? Was it was that a, number? Uh, uh, thirteen point four percent for the dividend yield for stocks with you, high dividend you, yield, high dividend yield stocks. Yes, thousand. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, but if you just if you went with stocks with had a high shareholder yield, it was fifteen point fifteen point oh four percent. Gotcha. The same and the time period. Like 10%. Yeah, 10.9 percent. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. So I like that. Yeah, it had lower drawdowns. Uh, it had lower volatility, and it had a better return over the over that time period. All three uh, of those metrics. So yeah, it was pretty impressive. It's a it's a very interesting study that he did. Yeah, and that was a cool back test. Um, and. Uh, a good way to kind of show how these companies who do pay back shareholders, shareholders like it, obviously the market tends to like it. And so I think the back tests had rebalancing every year. And so these ones with the high shareholders yield were currently paying back shareholders nicely. And so it makes sense that their stock prices would tend to rise uh, over a 12 month period. 
I like that. I think that was cool data. I think it was, I got really excited um, after I finished reading it the second time, Dave. I remember mm-hmm. I texted you. I was like, oh, I need a cigarette. Yeah. And that was just amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was just really cool. Yeah. Super short. I think I finished it, you know, under an hour. So there's yeah, really no reason why long. people shouldn't go out and like at least check it out. See if see if it teaches you something, right? Hopefully we taught you something today. Maybe it teaches you something about to give you insight, you know, if it, if it didn't make sense about share buybacks or all these other things, this is how companies use cash and this is what fuels growth. Um, and so you need a good balance of growth and you need a good balance of paying back shareholders. I think this is an excellent way, just another metric that you can use to determine that quickly and easily. All right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up our discussion on shareholder yield. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and you learned a thing or two. It was a very fascinating book for me to read, and I know Andrew enjoyed it again the second time, obviously. And there were some great points, and I think there's some great learning things that you can get from this book. Again, it's free, F-R-E-E, free. Did I say that again? Free. So I will put the link for that in the show notes. So if you want to check that book out, it's fantastic. And like Andrew said, it's less than an hour to read. So How much does it cost, Dave? It's free. My favorite (laughs) F word, free. So uh, enjoy. It's our little gift to you. Well, it's actually Meb's little gift to you. And don't hesitate to check out his podcast as well. Very interesting. You'll learn a lot from him. I have definitely learned a lot from him. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out and invest with a margin of safety. Emphasis on the safety. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.